the house top reindeer paws Out jumps good old Santa Claus Down to the chimney with lots of toys All for the little one's Christmas joy Ho, 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 who wouldn't go? Ho, 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 who wouldn't go? Up on the house top, click, click, click Down to the chimney, good Saint Nick Hello and welcome to the Drabblecast, episode 228 the Drabblecast is a weekly audio fiction magazine that brings strange stories by strange authors to strange listeners, such as yourself. I'm your host, Norm Sherman. Happy whatever holiday you're weirdly touchy about, everyone. That's the spirit of whatever. A lot of people get really excited about this time of the year. Others get depressed and want to kill themselves. It's like watching Glee with more elves. More and more these days, we just call this time of the year the holidays, regardless of what we personally celebrate or believe. That way, people that celebrate Christmas won't feel bad for commemorating the Christ child's miraculous birth with miraculous Apple products, and people that celebrate Kwanzaa won't feel bad for always spelling Kwanzaa wrong. We just kind of blend it all together in a big, confusing blur, call it meatloaf, and before anyone asks the kind of meat or why we would loaf it, what, can anyone just loaf whatever they want these days? How does the bread sector feel about this? It's suddenly New Year's. A number changed on our calendars, and we have to go buy a brand new one with cuter cats. Daddy, why does Santa deliver presents on Jesus' birthday? Ooh, hoo, hoo, things about to get convoluted up in here. Well, Timmy, how do I say this? What the black-eyed peas are to music, or just regular black-eyed peas are to music for that matter, that's what Christmas time is to Jesus. It's a holiday invented by the eggnog industry, just like Valentine's was invented by the antidepressant pharmaceutical industry, and Shark Week was invented by the underwater camera industry. Now hang these strange things up on that tree that we just pulled in our living room. Why didn't we just get one of the trees that has stuff growing and hanging from it already? Because those are just pine cones, Timmy, and these are tiny anthropomorphic snowmen. Now chop chop. You know, it's a good thing kids are weird and gullible already. Here, spin this piece of wood. It's a game. It's fun. Hey, go sit in that guy in the mall's lap. That total stranger. I'll take a picture. It's fun. And don't forget to leave out some cookies for the man sneaking into our house tonight via the chimney. It's okay. You sat in his lap once in the mall, remember? It's fine. Kids just swallow whatever weird holiday bullshit we throw at them. Honestly, why would we ever have to worry that our kids might not believe in Santa? I mean, why are we so concerned about that? Are they not already blindly accepting without calling into question the existence of flying reindeer? That there is, in fact, a team of them specifically assembled to cooperate and pull a majestic sky carriage? You're not at all worried about them doubting the possibility of venison used as aerial transit? Yeah, trust me, I don't think some fat old white guy is going to be a problem. I think you're safe. I don't doubt that Santa's reindeer can fly, but I do feel that those can't possibly be their real names. No wonder Rudolph felt singled out. He's the only one that doesn't sound like a chunky, meth-addled stripper. Cupid, Comet, Blitzen. Yeah, those sound like reindeer that think they can fly. Dasher, Dancer, and Prancer. Get drunk and shop at Walmart. Donder. I don't even know her. I wouldn't don that with a 10-foot candy cane, Donder. When Donder's not pulling Santa in a big red sleigh, she's pulling some frumpy middle-aged Latino guy in a Toyota Acura behind Kmart. Where exactly did Santa find all these reindeer? 
I mean, which grimy Denny's bathroom wall specifically? Pulling names and phone numbers off the inside of some dingy metal stall while his fuzzy white ass pulls hepatitis off the toilet seat. Anyways, the truth is, Timmy doesn't care that Santa's a guy that works in the mall or that his reindeer are floozies with trucker herpes. Timmy knows that Christmas is a time when kids that are good get presents. And the other kind, the kids that are rich, get better presents. Oh, and bad kids get coal, allegedly. Like you really want to piss off a bad kid and then give him some coal. Terrible idea. Well, this week on the Drabblecast, Christmas justice finally gets revamped. You'll see. But first, a drabble. Drabble, drabble, drabble. Drabbles are stories exactly 100 words. Send yours into submissions at drabblecast.org. This week's 100-word drabble story comes to us from Greg Winkler, and it's called Last Christmas. When not writing, Greg splits his time between working for the U.S. government, teaching composition at a number of colleges in northeastern Oklahoma, playing funky riffs on his bass guitar, and squeezing in some quality time with his beautiful wife and two sons. When asked about aspirations, always near the top of his list is his desire to grow a decent beard. I come from a large family. It is no wonder my mom's crazy. With nine kids and 21 grandkids, the holidays are the worst. All the children running around, my brothers and sisters arguing with each other, and poor mom confusing Uncle Don with the Christmas tree and trying to gift wrap the cat. Last year was the worst ever, though. Last year, we lost Nathan, my sister's one-year-old. Of course, we eventually found him during Christmas dinner. In retrospect, we really should have realized something was wrong when we saw Mom putting a diaper on a frozen turkey. Oh, that's just wrong. And awesome. So we mentioned two weeks ago that we were running a little holiday contest for our listeners, where one lucky listener would be selected as the namesake of a character in this year's Tim Pratt holiday short story. All you had to do was interact with the Drabblecast somehow on the internet. Like us on Facebook, join or comment in our discussion forums, link to us in a blog post, donate to us, any number of things, and we would enter you into a drawing for random selection. Well, folks, we have a winner, and as that person is the only actual name mentioned in this story, we'll let the story announce the winner. Congrats. So, this week's story, an original by Tim Pratt, commissioned by the Drabblecast specifically for our holiday episode to close out the year. We bring you a fairy tale of Oakland. Tim Pratt lives in Oakland, California, with his wife, Heather Shaw, and their son, River. His fiction and poetry have appeared in the best American short stories, The Year's Best Fantasy and Horror, Strange Horizons, Realms of Fantasy, Asimov's, and Lady Churchill's Rosebud Wristlets, as well as Year's Best Fantasy. You've heard him plenty here on the Drabblecast, as he's one of our personal faves, and you'll no doubt be hearing more of him in 2012, barring a Mayan apocalypse. So anyways, without further ado, we bring you A Fairy Tale of Oakland by Tim Pratt. I ambled along. 
along the sidewalk above the south end of Lake Merritt, just above the spot where 12th Street and 14th Street split. I walked down the ramp to the lower level, close by the water, thinking about the pint of whiskey in my pocket. I sat down there beside the lake, concrete cold under my ass, feet dangling over the water. This time of the year I like to sit real still and wait for one of those stupid Canadian geese to come wandering by, then yell, Christmas is coming and the goose is getting fat, and scare the shit out of that ugly bird. You gotta make your own fun. While I was waiting for a goose, taking slugs of whiskey and watching joggers race twilight along the path around the lake, this dirty old guy with a bushy white beard came slopping down the ramp from the pedestrian walkway above. He sat down right beside me on the concrete, and I shifted away. I expected him to reek, but to be honest, he smelled really minty, like he'd taken a bath in peppermint schnapps. Hey, he said, you think I could get a swig of that? I'll drink anything, clear or brown or whatever, I'm not picky. Piss off, I said. Get away from me. Come on. He leaned toward me, blinking red-rimmed eyes. He didn't sound drunk, but he sure sounded like he wanted to be. It's almost Christmas, right? Where's your Christmas spirit? Nobody ever gave me a thing, I said. So I'm not giving anybody anything either. That wasn't totally true. People gave me stuff all the time, usually late at night after I waved a knife at them. The guy didn't go away, but he sort of slumped and stared down at the water and sighed. You think I look like Santa Claus, he said. I get that a lot this time of the year. Sometimes I can get my hands on one of those little red hats, you know, with the, with the white ball on the end. That really completes the look. People come across with a lot more change if I give them a ho, ho, ho. Kids like it, you know. You got a big, ugly beard, I said, and you smell like an elf farted, but I don't think any kid would want to sit in your lap. I'm not really Santa Claus, he said. Glad you cleared that up. I took another swig, keeping my eye on a jogger approaching. She wasn't wearing much, especially considering how cold it was, and I watched her until she was out of sight, then listened to her feet pounding on the pavement of the walkway up above me. There's no point in robbing joggers unless you want to steal their music players or iPhones, but I get a kick out of watching them sweat, running in circles to no place at all. The old guy started coughing, and it was a nasty cough, the kind that goes on and on, the kind where you wonder if you'll ever catch your breath. He spat a long string of something toward the lake, and I scooted even farther away. I didn't need to catch whatever nasty plague he had. He glanced at me. It's not contagious. It's cancer. My lungs. You sure I can't have one drink? Just one. Whiskey helps. Burns going down, but feels good afterward. You can drink my piss, old man, once I'm done. Nobody told you to sit by me. He just nodded like he didn't expect anything else. I won't see Christmas, you know. I won't live long enough. Lucky you, I hate Christmas. <laughs> Not me, I love Christmas. You can make a lot of money at Christmas. You know, I met Santa Claus once. Me too, at the mall when I was a kid. He smelled like gin. He shook his head. No, no, this is the real thing. I, I was just a kid, maybe your age. I was breaking into houses a lot that year, waiting for the parents to go out sledding or whatever with the kids. Then I'd break a window, take everything out from under the tree, stuff it all in a big sack. I felt a little flash of admiration. The whole Grinch thing, huh? 
I had Christmas 15 times that year, I tell ya. I'd get that sack back to my squat, tear open the presents, see what I got. Lots of crap, you know, toys I couldn't do much with, so I tossed them out. But good stuff, too. Boom boxes, laser disc players, and Walkmen. Stuff that I could sell pretty easy. But I pushed it too far. There was this one house, biggest one on the block. The parents were Catholic, and they took their kids out for Christmas Eve Mass. Perfect, right? An hour with nobody in the house, guaranteed. They had a security system, but in those days, if you knew what you were doing, you could get around that sort of thing. So I broke in, and that tree, it was bigger than most trees you'd see outside. Hung with so many decorations, I couldn't believe it was even standing up on its own. Real pretty, you know? The kids had left uh, milk and cookies out, so I ate those. Then I just started loading up my sack, taking the heaviest boxes. Rich family, I figured I'd get some great stuff. But then I heard this noise. The old man's eyes got far away, like bells jingling, and a sort of whoosh. And there he was, big belly, red suit, white beard, the whole package. I didn't see him actually come down from the chimney, but I don't know where else he could have come from. I panicked and I threw the box I was holding at him, but he dodged out of the way, nimble as hell. I can't remember what he said exactly, something about how I was bad, how I'd been a bad kid and, and became a bad man. The next thing I knew, I was in his sleigh, in the sky. You sure you weren't just abducted by aliens? I said. He ignored me. I was terrified. Thin, cold air whipping past me, the stink of the reindeer, the hard seat of the sleigh under my tailbone. Santa Claus told me I needed to learn a lesson, that he wanted me to understand Christmas. He said he couldn't punish me because he doesn't do that sort of thing, but maybe he could show me the error of my ways. I thought he was going to dangle me off the side of the sleigh. Some guys I owed money to hung me off the roof of a building by my ankles once, and <laughs> I learned that lesson, believe me. But it was, it was nothing like that. He gave me a Christmas miracle instead. The old guy went silent. I waited for the punchline, but he didn't say anything. What the hell does that mean, a Christmas miracle? Another big coughing jag, but not as long this time. He wiped his mouth on his dirty sleeve. Magic. Big magic. A wish granted. A life changed. Immortality. Incredible powers. That kind of thing. I haven't used that miracle. I still have it. Why don't you use it to fix your cancer then? I said. Or at least get yourself some good booze and hot bitches to send you off right. He shook his head. Uh, that's the whole point. I can't use the miracle on myself. I have to use it on somebody else. It's a gift, you see. I have to give it to another person. That was Santa's rule. It's to teach me about giving, how good it feels, how it's better than receiving. But screw that, there was nobody I ever wanted to give anything to. Why should anybody have it better than I do? So you're like a genie? You can grant somebody's wish? No, it's my wish. I get to decide what happens, what miracle to bestow, but it has to do something good, something they'd like, and I can't give anything to myself. Shitty deal, huh? I shrugged. But I got to thinking about how Santa said he didn't punish people. That seemed 
Strange to me. Parents use Santa to get their kids to be good. Behave, and he'll bring you presents. So that's the bribe. But where's the threat? Santa Claus is a carrot, but haven't you ever wondered about the stick? Lumps of coal, right? I said. If you're bad, you get a lump of coal in your stocking. The old man shook his head. A bad gift isn't bad enough, though, to counterbalance all that good. In some places, a lump of coal in the winter is a pretty great gift, I bet. So, I went to the library and started reading about Santa Claus, or St. Nicholas, or Father Christmas, or Pierre Noel, or whatever. There's not just one Santa Claus. There are different versions of him all around the world, with different names and different stories. A lot of them have helpers, you know, like elves, or a guy named Black Peter, or another guy named Farmhand Rupert. All kinds of crazy stuff. But eventually, reading those old stories, I found the stick. I drank the last of my whiskey and chucked the bottle into the lake. Missed the duck I was aiming at, though. Damn it. The old guy chuckled. <laughs> you were a bad kid, too, weren't you? I bet the Krampus would have loved you. The what's-this? He ignored me. In some parts of the world, Austria, Croatia, Hungary, they still remember. They understand. You can't have something bright without having something dark to balance it. If you got St. Nicholas, you also need the Krampus. But even over there, they drained the Krampus of his power, turned him into an excuse for twenty-somethings to get drunk, wear masks and horns and goat fur costumes and scare people with chains and bells. Or they've turned the Krampus into a joke, into Santa's silly, ugly helper. I don't know what you're talking about, old man. The Krampus. The dark side of Santa Claus. If Santa is God, the Krampus is the devil. Sort of his opposite, but also sort of his employee. Santa rewards good children with gifts, but the Krampus punishes bad children. Doesn't it make sense? Doesn't it just feel right? This is a real thing? You're not making this up? The old man shook his head. The Krampus is a demon who accompanies St. Nicholas, dragging chains, ringing a bell, whipping bad kids with birch branches. Sometimes he has a basket on his back where he can shove unruly children. A long tongue, horns, furry legs like a goat. Sure, Santa knows if you've been good or bad, but the Krampus knows too, and he, he actually does something about it. He coughed again and spat, then pressed a hand to his chest and winced. Do you know what tonight is? December 5th, I said. Krampus knocked, the old man answered. In parts of Europe, they give gifts on December 6th, the feast of St. Nicholas, but the night before, the Krampus roams, doling out punishments. Or he, he used to. Now he's just a story barely anyone remembers. There are probably stuffed Krampus toys, Krampus bobbleheads. We need the real Krampus. If that thing had caught me breaking into a house, it would have, it would have been over. I would have been whipped, flogged with a chain, punished, and then finished. But because it was, it was Santa, he gave me this miracle. 
This horrible gift I've been dragging around with me for years and years, always there in the back of my mind. Something quick and painful would have been better. You are crazy, I said, standing up. Not the most boring crazy I've ever heard, but still. I'm not gonna live much longer, he said. So maybe it's time I gave somebody my miracle. Don't you think so? Maybe I should give it to you. How'd you like to live forever? How'd you like to have power, a purpose for your miserable life? I laughed. <laughs> sure, old man, give me a pot of gold while you're at it. The old man grinned at me. I can't promise that, but... Then he coughed and coughed and coughed some more. His whole body started shaking. He got this funny look on his face and fell, just pitched forward off the concrete pad where he'd been sitting. He landed on the muddy edge of the lake, his face in the water, and I jumped down and rolled him over. Not that I gave a shit if he lived or died, really, but you see an old guy about to drown in front of you, and I don't know, it's just instinct. You do something. Or maybe it was the Christmas spirit. He was dead, though. I don't think you die quick like that, of lung cancer, but maybe his heart gave out or something. Nobody was around, and it was getting pretty dark, so I rolled him. His pockets were stuffed with tons of those cheap striped peppermint candies wrapped in plastic, and I left those, but I found three $20 bills folded up in one of his boots. Christmas came early this year. I found something else, too, tucked down inside his other boot, alongside his ankle, where some guys I know keep knives. The thing was a little tree branch, only about eight inches long, but made of silver. Not exactly jewelry, too big to be a brooch, but maybe it was some kind of decoration, something to put out on a rich man's table during a holiday dinner. I took the silver branch, thinking I could pawn it, but when I held it in my hand, it just felt right. I licked my lips, and my tongue felt weird, way too rough and long and strong. I sort of shrugged it off and went up the ramp, because if somebody sees you with a dead guy, there's going to be a lot of questions. Up on the walkway above the lake, I saw a cab going by, and since I was flush with cash, I flagged it down, thinking I'd go to a bar I know where a 20 will get you some companionship and a stiff drink with change left over. My clothes were pretty fresh, snatched from a laundromat dryer, and I slipped into a gym to shower earlier so the cabbie didn't yell at me to get out once I climbed inside. On the radio, the Pogues were singing about the boys of the NYPD choir singing Galway Bay and bells ringing in Christmas Day. Where to? The cabbie said. I licked my lips again and felt my own teeth, long and sharp. My forehead burned like something was growing out of my skull, trying to punch through my skin, but it didn't hurt exactly. I reached out and put my hand on the cabbie's shoulder. The silver branch was gone, but I knew I could get it back in a moment if I wanted. My fingernails were long and black, and the backs of my hands were hairy, and there was a manacle around my wrist, all rusty iron, dangling a length of chain. The funny thing was, the cabbie didn't seem to notice the chain, or to think anything was strange at all. None of it seemed especially strange to me either. Come on, buddy, the cabbie said. I don't have all night. Matthew Cooper, I said, and my voice was rougher than usual. You have nine overdue library books. You steal wireless and cable from your neighbors, and you even take other people's newspapers. You 
are a thief. His eyes narrowed in the rear view. Get out of my cab, asshole. There was a bag in my other hand. A sack, but not like Santa's red velvet bag. My sack was rough burlap, and inside there were no gifts. There was nothing but darkness. I grabbed the cabbie by the neck and hauled him into the back seat and stuffed him in the sack head first. He screamed all the way down, his feet sticking out of the bag and kicking for a moment before he disappeared. I got out of the cab, chains dangling from my ankles, and stood on the sidewalk. I looked out at the lake where the fairy lights strung along the jogging path glowed. The ducks and geese floated by on the water, blameless. I turned toward the street, and every car that passed held a story. A kid who liked to tie firecrackers to a cat's tail, riding in the back seat of that SUV. A woman who was cheating on her husband, driving a silver Mercedes. A guy embezzling from his company's pension fund, being driven around in a black BMW. A little girl who crept into her baby sister's room at night and pinched the infant's arms, staring bored out of the back window of a minivan. I threw my head back and howled at the sky. Then I set off, running toward downtown Oakland, my sack in one hand, my wand of birch branches in the other, my hooves striking sparks on the pavement. I had a long night of miracles ahead of me. story. Hope you enjoyed it. Krampus. He knows when you've been sleeping. He knows when you're awake. So start protecting your tweets, kids, for goodness sake. Congrats again to Matthew Cooper, our holiday contest winner. Better return those library books, buddy. If you folks at home enjoyed this week's story, you can always throw a donation our way via the links on our website, drabblecast.org. Help us keep going strong into 2012. You'll find a couple different support options there. We appreciate whatever you can give. It allows us to do things like commission stories from Tim Pratt. All right, folks, that's our show. But first, this week's 100-character story winner, the last of 2011, by ROU Killing Time. This one right here. The sky grew dark, and Quetzalcoatl beat leather wings against the sky. We were wrong about Y2K but right about Mayan 2K. (laughs) 
We call them twabbles. Twitter-sized stories, exactly 100 characters, not counting spaces. Try writing one yourself and post it in our discussion forums, or just follow us on Twitter, at the Drabblecast to hear the winners early each week. All right, folks, that's it for 2011. Have a safe and happy new year, and we'll see you after you get your number changed on the calendar. Remember, the Drabblecast is produced with the Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License, which means don't change or sell it, but feel free to share it all you like. Special thanks to our kick-ass episode artist this week, kick-ass Drabblecast art director, Bo Kyer. Check out his awesome stuff at bokyer.com. See you in 2012, weirdos. Until then, this is Norm Sherman reminding you, you gotta make your own fun. The prize of